Layer by layer, day by day, the world, our markets, and your life unfolds. Welcome to the Laminate Money Podcast, a show dedicated to exploring our world, the financial markets, and scaling your financial life. Tom Statham, Jacob Radke, Dan Schuster, and Noah Jezdal work for Fiel Capital, and all opinions expressed by Tom, Jacob, Dan, Noah, or any podcast guests are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Fiel Capital. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Tom, Jacob, Dan, and Noah are registered representatives of Sanctuary Securities and investment advisor representatives of Sanctuary Advisors. Fiel Capital is a DBA of Sanctuary Securities and Sanctuary Advisors. All right, here we go. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Laminate Money Podcast. Hope you guys are having a wonderful day today. Uh, We're going to have an awesome episode. We're going to talk about the legendary man, Warren Buffett. We're going to be talking about AI and what that does to your uh, money and really what you should be focusing on. We are also going to be discussing the ultimate level of wealth. So if that interests you, stay tuned. Uh, with me is Jake Bradkey. Hey. Hey. <laughs> and uh, Noah. Hey. 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 <laughs> nice and awkward uh, for all of you out there. If you cringed, uh, I would be doing the same thing. So, I did. In real time. In real time. Oh my gosh, you guys. Podcast intros are a little bit tricky if you haven't done one before. So let's get on to Sir Warren Buffett. First of all, who the heck is Warren Buffett? One of the He's, oracle. The, He's yeah. the oracle. Of Nebraska. I've been to Omaha twice in my life. Or, mm, no, driven a little bit more than that. Maybe four times. I've gone through a couple times. I've been there quite a few times. Yeah, I always think like this is the land of Warren. See, I think the more I have been through there more times when I didn't know about Warren Buffett than I have when I did Got know it. about Same Warren here. Buffett. Okay. Yeah. Well, Warren Buffett, um, I was sick the last week. So I had the norovirus, norovirus, and then COVID. How about a doozy there, guys? So I was watching way too much YouTube because I literally didn't want to do anything. And I had, I was watching a range of topics as I usually do, but I was listening to one video. Um, and this gentleman was talking about Warren Buffett and the, this just blew my mind. Warren Buffett had no one to follow. Which makes sense. Yeah. I mean, like we just take him for granted at this point in life. And there's so many people that follow him. There's so many. There has to be tens of millions of people that follow Warren Buffett. I mean, the number is huge. But even if there are tens of millions of more people, there is not another Warren Buffett. There is not another Warren Buffett. It just blew my mind. Like when I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, for sure. Like when I think of Warren Buffett, I think about his strategy, buy and hold, invest in ridiculously boring companies. And sometimes he, well, most of the time he's ahead of the market. Sometimes he's not. But Warren Buffett had no one to follow, and that blows my mind. Like, he has scaled the heights of what is possible on planet Earth from a financial perspective, and there's been no one to reference. There's been no one to, you know, tap on the shoulder and say, hey, what would you do here? There's been no one. He has fully built it himself. From zero, basically. From zero. Yeah. Which is crazy. And the common thread here that I want to spend some time talking about, curious to get your guys' opinion, is how important conviction is. I love convicted people. Yeah, he's been doing the same thing for, what is it, 75 years now? Yeah, 75 years he's done the same thing. He's bought undervalued companies that have huge moats that produce a ton of cash, 
and he's done it for 75 years. Hasn't missed a beat. And he has zero panic money involved in that too. Insurance, insurance money isn't panic money. Yeah. Just think of how much the world has changed in 75 years and he's just continued doing the exact same thing. It's, (laughs) It's like, it is wild. And Morgan Housel in his book, The Psychology of Money, or was this more, was this in this book? Uh, I think it was actually one of like one of the reasons why he, like he's a great capital allocator, but he has also just like his his edge over everyone else is just time. Yeah, I mean, what is he now? Eighty, almost ninety. Yeah, he's probably yeah, he's probably. Well, let's look it up here. I, I thought he was know. into his nineties by now. I think Charlie Munger for sure is in his nineties. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say 93. He's 92. Uh, August 30th, if you want to send him a birthday card. So he is, he's been doing this for the same, like he has gone through so many market cycles. He's seen so many wars. He's seen so many Republicans in office. He's seen so many Democrats in office. He has seen it all. And he has been willing. He has such a unique relationship to time because he is, he is okay being on the sidelines when everyone else is making a lot of money. And he's fine just sticking with his strategy and being confident in it, and boy, has it served him well. I wish I could be Warren Buffett. I know, right? Which is why there's 10 million followers of him. Yeah, but what's weird about us is like, oh, I just wish it was Warren Buffett. Like, that's not, like, that mentality is challenging because he, like, there will never be another one of him. No, there's only one of, and billionaires are a anomaly. Yeah. Not a normal thing. Yeah, they totally, like, they, they statistically are a huge anomaly. Um, but, like, I think w- what this means for us, like, deep convictions, like, what is that? Like, what does this mean for us, and why should we be seeking this? Like, when I look at my own life, and I think about times that have been good, times that have been not good, usually the times in my life that have been just awesome are when I'm, like, living out of what I believe to be true. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, that's just conviction. It's like, I'm living out my truth. That sounds kind of corny and cheesy. No, it's kind of having a plan and just sticking to it no matter if good or bad comes. Mm-hmm. Bad plan is better than no plan. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. But like Warren has so, he's just done this so well. And I think, again, we like take him for granted because it's like, you know that when you, when you see or hear his next interview, like it's going to be the same. It's going to be America. It's going to be, just like his website that yeah. hasn't changed since 19. Forever. Yeah, if 90. you guys want to have a uh, mind trip, go to BerkshireHathaway.com. It is hilarious. It's just, it's so funny. It's so bad. It's so bad, it's good. I mean, it's, it's so bad, it's good. It's just like Warren's strategy. Unrigid yeah. or, or rigid and unflexible. Yeah. Like, it's just, it is what it is and it's, he sticks to it. Yes. Yeah. So, like, Warren Buffett, um, again, he is like, the, the, the thread to pull here when we zoom this back is to just do yourself like figure out what you love building mm-hmm. this is from our weekend reads by the way everyone if you're not subscribed definitely check it out we've been putting some good nuggets of wisdom to how to be a better investor this is the verbal ver- this is the audio version of that check out the written version so um like when we do ourselves when we have our own plan that we're following first of all we're almost unmovable you know, it's like you're, you're, you're walking a foundation that you have poured in, but you also believe in. And it, it gives you the propellant to just walk through hard times. And like hard times for us, like normal people, not 100 billionaire. Like what if you lose your job? You know, what if the market falls apart? What if your car dies? Um, you know, 
when you have convictions about how you manage your money and how to do it well, when bad things come, not if, when, you'll just be prepared for them. Mm -hmm. And you will have thought about that situation at some point. Yeah. Right? Conviction is like, good or bad, this is what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I will be, I will be prepared for it. Mm -hmm. And you don't always have to like, like your situation too, right? Like, you don't always need to like, like life. I mean, I think a lot of times, uh, you know, in an investing career, there's a lot of just, eh, whatever days. Like the market, when you think about the market and the returns of the market, they're only good. Like the, the market's like usually okay. It's like the weather. I always explain to people that the markets are like the, the weather. Normally, it's just like, okay. You know, a few times a year, it's like, oh gosh, band down the hatches, literally get into the basement. The tornado sirens are going off or, you know, wake up at 630 and snow below after, you know, 10 inches, which we've had a lot of that lately, fortunately. <laughs> But then, and then there's just a few days where it's like, oh my gosh, this is it. And for us up here in North Dakota, it's in the summer, right? When it's like 75, 80 degrees, everyone's at the lake fishing, hanging out on the pontoon. Like, that's it. Like, that's how the markets work. Um, but, uh, you know, that common thread though, of like, just, just doing you just plotting along, totally the way to do it. Yeah. Have conviction in yourself. Yeah. And your strategy. Yep. Yep. Be and fine just, seeing other people be successful at doing something that isn't the way you're doing it. Yeah. Just keep doing your thing. Totally. And that's, um, so Warren, but okay. So if we were to break down market cycles, so we have 2009, let's say to 2020, 2020 to 2021, end of 2021, and then 2022 and now like those distinct three, um, cycles be like Warren and his team totally sat out the the huge gains in 2021. Mm-hmm. They were just stockpiling cash. They're like, no, nah, we don't like it. We don't like the valuations. We don't like it. We're just going to do us. And and he was getting to a point, myself included. I was like, ah, I think Warren's lost his edge. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and now it all comes full circle. Yeah. And now he's been just dominating like 2022 when no one had cash when liquidity was getting squeezed out of the system he's like nah i'm good guys i got like 100 billion in cash berkshire like i can pull triggers and what did he do he just pulled triggers he pulled triggers he was getting his sweetheart deals um but he still got the fastball he's still yeah (laughs) warren buffett and charlie munger in their 90s are still they still have the fastballs but like what a lesson for us younger people like we have such a unique relationship with time like we've only lived to be, you know, a quarter of our life, quarter to a third. You guys are at a quarter, I'm at a third. You know, Warren Buffett's been investing twice as long as I have been alive. And just like the the time and, and just the maturity and wisdom that in which they in which they invest at, super inspiring. Where I think a lot of young people are like, oh, we need to get, we need to get rich today. We need to, you know, I need to double my money in a year. And um, it took Warren 50 years to become a billionaire. Yeah. And now what is he? Now he's like a hundred. Yeah. He's a hundred times richer. And it took him only 30 years to get to that. Right. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Yeah. Like what everyone wants in life is they want to be, I think everyone wants to be wealthy, but what people really want is they want to be young. They want to be like 30 and have a bunch of money. Yeah. Yeah. It's never like, yeah, just give it to me when I'm 70. You're like, no, everyone wants to travel. Everyone wants to like, you know, do cool things with their family while they can. Um, yeah, Buffett's just done it a different way. And I think he's also proved that you can be old because again, let's, let's not beat around the bush in eight years. Warren's going to be hundred, 
Which is crazy. Which is crazy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just the perspective I think is so, so powerful. Sure. You know, following his, his investing career. So. And, and his conviction. All, and it, yeah, and it comes back, it circles back to conviction. Mm-hmm. He is probably the happiest rich person slash wealthy person in mm-hmm. the world. Yeah. Lives in the same house. Yeah. That he did 50 years ago. Yeah. He probably has driven modest to whatever, nice cars, but yeah. probably not like, probably not outrageous. He doesn't seem like he's this like Buffett's showy not, up guy. Yeah. Buffett's not driving Lambos. No. It'd be and, funny if he did. Yeah. So he's, I mean, he's just got a nice balance of like wealth and time. Yeah. And I think like, um, you know, what is wealth? Interesting question. To me, it's just, you know, contentment. You know, it's just being like being okay with wherever you're at. In in in, yeah, I think about my wedding vows that I told Camila. I was like, in sickness and in health, in in uh, riches and in, in, in poorness, good times and bads. Like no matter what, to just be, and that's to me what wealth is, and that's what I think he mod- he emulates well. Yeah, you know. Yeah, he's able to do exactly what he wants, and he's just happy being Warren. Yeah, he just does. Yeah, he he just does it. And there's again. That's like exactly know what you just said. That's what I want you listeners out there to really just get is like, don't strive to be somebody like don't strive to be anybody other than yourself. And this doesn't mean that you have to start a business that turns into a 300 and or $500 billion business and become a billionaire. Like it just means to do what you're going to do, whether that's working for a great company or whatever, surrounding yourself with great people, like do you, do what you want to do. Yep. Absolutely. Be who you are. And we talk a lot about like the philosophy of money here, if you've noticed that. Um, reason being is uh, a study, this was, I don't know, was I reading this morning or over the weekend? I don't know. I was talking about Gen Z. No, this was last week, actually. I was talking about Gen Z and their uh, preparedness for retirement. And uh, first of all, they're, they're actually doing pretty well. But um, this, uh, this study that ultimately landed at the Gen Z tracked college freshmen from the early 60s and then every year they talked about uh, they asked people what was their priority and largely over the last 50 years people have um they're not as religious as they were they're not as um interested in family uh they're not as interested in patriotism they're not as interested um in just those types of things and fast forward to today you know people are like what's the most important thing college freshmen money Yep, career, money. Career, I want to be an investment banker and make $300,000 a year. Yeah, like now, like yeah. in my 20s. And I think what's interesting is like, we're talking about Warren Buffett, who has more than most people make in like many, many lifetimes. And then you go back to just like us normal people. And I think we strive for so much, but then the lesson to be learned as, you know, and it's easy to say like, oh, well, he's just rich, whatever. Um, but there's just like this, there's something about like our, society's just obsession with money and making it and side hustle culture. And we talked about Noah last week um, to the group of ladies we were presenting to at the Lady Boss event where people were just like, we asked the room about side hustles and I was like, I just don't know like what I believe about them. And they just seem to yield not great results for people. And the room was, people in the room were like, yeah, there's just something about it that just seems weird. People just don't really know why they do them. Yeah. Like they don't go into them with a goal. Yeah. Like, am I doing this to replace my income? It's not a question people ask each themselves mm. enough. Like they don't, they just, I'm going to do it just to see if it can turn into something. Well, that's not, that's not conviction. And that's not, yeah. You don't totally. have the right conviction. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's just something something about it. So that's why we've been talking about like the why behind money so much is, um, you know, and I think like us at this table, I think it's fair to say, like I can speak for myself, like, yeah, I definitely want to have money. You know, we look at our older clients who have just done really well and it's it's attractive. Um, but it's like, at what cost? And that's the, that's the question I constantly ask myself, you know, it's like, at what cost? Like what, if I pursue this and, you know, one day have, you know, like Fiel is 10 times bigger and it's like, wow, this is crazy. And everyone's just doing well, serving lots of clients around the country. And it's like, you know, at what cost is that coming to my marriage, my family, my kids, like my relationships, my parents, my sisters, you know, what, like, what's the cost there? And, uh, I just think a lot of people have put the cost by the wayside. Yeah. It's opportunity cost. Yeah. I mean, you're going to spend four hours working on your side hustle after work. Something's got to give. Something's got to give. Yeah, totally. So, Oswath Dalmadalin. 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 Man, did I Dalmadalin. Don't ask me to speak a second language if you know me because, wow, am I bad. I always tell people I've taken eight years of French, but I took French one through four twice. I was a complete waste of taxpayer dollars. <laughs> I'm so bad. Uh, I won't go off on a ramble, but this gentleman, Oswath, did I say that right? Oswath. Yeah. Oh, geez, I didn't even get it right. Well, it's an Indian name, so it's a little bit, it's a little bit challenged. He's the NYU professor of finance. Okay. Yeah. He says, don't idolize mentors, take bits and pieces from them. I like Warren Buffett's principles, but it doesn't mean I have to believe everything he says. So pertinent to what we're talking about. Yeah, literally. Follow, follow pieces of your leaders that apply to your own path. Yeah. Right? Like, oh yeah, I like his ideology. I'm going to take some of that and apply it to my own personal goals. Yes. Right? Don't take the bad stuff. Take the good stuff. Ignore the bad stuff. Exactly. What, what you believe, basically. Yeah. And there's like, I think why we talk about people a lot and like why we've been framing some of these, con- these conversations recently around people is, first of all, we all look up to people. We don't look up to things. You know, like we've got cars sitting in our parking lot. It's like, I don't look up to my car that I drive. I'm like, oh, I wish I could be my car. It's like, no, you wish to be people. Like we are human beings and we are attracted to human beings. Largely. Some people are really into stargazing. Good for you. But most of the time it's like, you know, we're, you know, we're interested in people. And um, so it's really easy. You know, we want to just like persuade you guys out there to just you know, to take what's good about Buffett and then implement it in your life. But it's never really worth just, you know, idolizing these people and they just like trying to become them because like we've said in here before, if you were to put Warren Buffett in the same spot and he was lived in New York versus Omaha. And so, today. And today. Whatever. It's impossible to replicate their success. Yeah. He wouldn't be able to do it again. It'd be a one in a trillion chance that it would happen again. Yeah. Literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of the butterfly effect is, you know, something random, randomly changes um, in, the, in, the, in the scope of the universe. Right. And like and, and that's just enough to just, you know, hugely skew. And there's a movie about this. Obviously, it's called The Butterfly Effect. Um, but yeah, everyone out there, like, don't idolize these people, but like take what's good in their life and just put it in your life. And then just like just do you like Warren Buffett is not out there trying to create the metaverse. He's like, no, nah, I'm good. Yeah. So somebody else was that he's not like trying to buy you know, Bitcoin, he's like, nope, I know what I know and I'm going to stick with it. So rat poison. Yeah. Rat poison. <laughs> oh, the good old, uh, Buffett and, and Munger quotes, but, um, <laughs> yeah, really just like really 
that's like so important to just just to do just to do you. And, and again, we said this so many times in the last eighteen minutes. But if you don't do that, you're just going to lose yourself in comparison. You know, judging yourself. You know, using money as a judge of how good your life is when it's just like we know that's not true. So, Jacob, tell us about Peter Thiel. So going Peter, from zero to one. Yeah, Peter Thiel. I'm actually reading his book right now. I just uh, started literally over the weekend. And he basically put in like the first couple of chapters, like there will only be, and this is a whole premise of the book at, at the yeah. end of the day, like, right, there'll only be one Mark Zuckerberg, one Larry Page, one Elon Musk, one Bill Gates, one Steve Jobs. Like these are all like people that have done something. They went from zero to one, right? Mm-hmm. Like there was, there was no Microsoft. There was no like computer operating system and PC market before like Bill Gates came around and like founded it. That did not exist. He did something completely unique. He did it his way, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing with Steve Jobs. Mark Zuckerberg, pretty much a case. Well, he visioned Facebook, did it, did it really well. Mm-hmm. Google, there was no Google. Like you had like other search engines, but they weren't Google. They yeah. weren't browser or the algorithm backed thing that it is today. Even Elon Musk, electric vehicles. That wasn't even hardly a thing before Elon Musk came around and just yeah. revolutionized the entire car market. All just zero to one cases. Yep. Them doing themselves, having convictions in their ideas and doing them, executing on them. Yeah. Again, these people are just super aspirational from a, you know, business and like money perspective. But, um, yeah, like I love my life. I I wouldn't necessarily want to, you know, trade places with these people. No. You know, walking around. So, yeah, that's, um, again, I hope we've, you know, persuaded you and just, you know, um, you know, poked and prod a little bit of like, just build your own balance sheet. If you love real estate, do real estate. If you love stocks, buy stocks. Um, so. Uh, you know, take a page from Buffett's playbook. Room for all. There's room for all. There's room for all. All right. So this was a fascinating article on what is the ultimate level of wealth. So coming from another very, um, a very affluent individual who is worth a billion. Um, guy is it Guy Raz or Guy Raz? NPR. I couldn't tell you. No clue. Oh, just he's got a great voice. Got a great voice. I'm not an NPR guy. Yeah, he's an NPR guy. I used to listen to him a lot and then then had kids. Kind of like a lot of things, right? So this gentleman uh, co-founded, I think he, yeah, he co-founded Slack, Stuart Butterfield. And he was talking about the different levels of wealth. And this is fascinating. Level one, not stress about debt. Level two, I don't worry about stuff that, or I don't worry about the prices in restaurants. Level three, I don't worry about vacation costs. That was it. That's so simple. I don't know yeah. if I'm buying it. I don't know. To an extent, all he's all he's really saying is like you just stop worrying about things, right? Yeah. Every single one of these has the word worry and don't in them or yeah. not stressed, right? Like, yeah. Basically, at a certain point, it's just like you don't have to worry about things anymore. That's the levels of wealth. The more you don't worry about it, yeah. the more wealth you probably have. Mm-hmm. The more you worry about it, the less you probably have. Like that's at the end of the day, probably what he's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the, the, the number's going to be different for everyone, right? Um, but he says here, beyond a certain level of wealth, it doesn't make your life any better. And I think there's, there's been a lot of, uh, there's been, just been a lot of research as to like what, like what is that level? And there's going to be, you know, you can Google this and, and, and there's going to be a bunch, of different, a, a bunch of different ways to say the same thing. But at the end of the day, um, it's just about worrying and if you're not stressed, and, and I think what this is, you know, what this gentleman is saying 
is, you know, that number's different for everyone, but like once you're at that level, just be okay with it. Yeah. Speaking of myself here, <laughs> I'm coaching myself. Um, are you happy where you are, Tom? I actually, I, I totally am. You guys, um, interesting thought experience. I 10X'd everything that I had. This was probably a month ago. I 10X'd everything. What does that mean? What do you mean? BLs? Okay, Grant Cardone. Okay, Grant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just call me Grant, right? No, but I, um, I don't even know what I was doing, but I was just, I have all these conversations in my head and I'm sure you guys do as well. It's like, am I good enough? Um, like, am I where I can be? You know, I compete against myself a lot. Um, so I just 10 X to everything. I was like, what if Yale was 10 times bigger? What if there's 10 times more of us? What if I had 10 times more of my checking account? What if I had 10 times everything? Then I just like believe that for a second. I was like, would I still be stressed? Would I still be anxious? Would I still have the same problems that I have today? And I was like, Yes. Yeah, I was going to say yes. The, the answer is definitely yes. I was like, yes. So I was like, therefore, all this striving that we all do, it just doesn't matter. It's like, mm -hmm. to me, it's like it didn't fix the core problems. And I was like, I have everything that I need. I have everything that I want. Like, what I have right now is just amazing. And 10x everything. I was like, no, nope, doesn't do it for me. I'd still be blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah, do, do, do that exercise. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting I'm getting riled up here. That's all right. <laughs> Noah's like, geez, Tom, cool it. <laughs> That's an interesting experiment. But yeah, but it, it I, there is a good point. Yeah, it yeah, I mean, it just reveals what's in your heart. Mm -hmm. And to me, it was like, yeah, you'd still. Be, I was like, I just knew it when I did that. I was like, yeah, nothing would change. I'd still be. I would still want more. I would still. Um, interesting quote. Uh, this would have been John D. Rockefeller, arguably one of the richest men in the world. He had, I think it was inflation adjusted. I think he had 300 to $400 billion in net worth. Insane. To today. To right? today, yeah. yeah. Yep. So uh, a reporter, his biographer asked him, it was either his biographer or his a reporter was like, John, how much money is enough? He's like, just a little bit more. Just a little just bit a more. Just a little bit more coming from arguably the richest person in human history. Just yeah. a little bit more. Doesn't that, I mean, yeah, when I read that, okay. It's like, puts it in perspective. Yeah. It's like the, the treadmill. I was like, if you were on the treadmill and that is what you want to be on, it never goes away. Treadmill is infinite. Yeah. Infinite loops. Infinite loops. All right. So, AI we're going to talk about AI for a second. I'm going to tell you what you all should be doing b besides being obsessed with AI. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. No, what should, here, I, what should through, I be doing? Yeah. Run us through why AI hasn't affected the markets. Well, here's, here's the new thing, right? Like AI has done everything else, right? It's passed the bar. It's passed medical exams. It's done all of these... It's done all of these things, right? Congratulations, ChatGPT. Those are all like textbook things, right? Like it's a memory thing. You have to memorize the law code and utilize it, right? Yep. Like, and then it couldn't pass like the CFA, the Chartered Financial Analyst, analyst do that, yep. whatever. Um, but basically it's because it's emotional. Investing is just as much psychological as it is textbook. Yeah. Right. At the end of the day, you have to have like some sort of emotion. You have to have a gut. You have to have strategy, all this stuff. And AI is implanted with our emotional biases it's mm -hmm. supposed to mimic us and to a fault it probably mimics us even better than we mimic ourselves yeah. so it's it's subject to more emotional biases and when you have more emotional biases you will never beat the market 
Yeah, and you will never you will never be able to put a computer program around that. Yeah, they thought that trading algorithms in the early 2000s were going to replace investors. Robo-advisors did not work. Did not work. They worked to a point, yeah, but they did not. They ultimately did not work. And do we use AI here? Like, yes. Do we use it to invest? Um, no. To invest? No, yeah. definitely not. Um, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, where this where this stuff goes. But um, a gentleman named Jim Simmons. Simmons. He is the uh, the gentleman behind Rentech, uh, Renaissance Technology. Arguably the most uh, the most profitable best investor ever. The reason he's not Warren Buffett is because he started at 50. He's worth 20 billion. I think that's about right. And then Warren Buffett started investing when he was like 15, which is crazy. So like Warren Buffett's been a really good investor since he was 15. Uh, Simmons uh, started this when he was 50. So he just doesn't have as much time. And uh, he created algorithmic trading, I think in the 70s. Maybe even know. earlier than that. It was a yeah. long time right ago. Right at the advent yeah, of right computing. At the, yeah, yep. He figured out, and this is like bizarre stuff. Like the stuff that I've read about him is just bizarre. But it's like, if it's sunny in France, we buy this. Mm-hmm. Like weird, like they have found statistically strange things. But his fund, his flagship fund, which you can only, I think only invest in if you're an employee at this point, and then it's his own money, part of his own money. It can only be $10 billion. Because the strategy doesn't work past that. Warren's strategy has worked for trillions of dollars, right? People have followed Warren like crazy and it's worked for trillions of people. This guy is capped at $10 billion because if he goes over that, the strategy arbitrages itself away. Yeah, yep, exactly. So that's just what's weird about the AI stuff. But what I think people should be losing their minds over is automating their money. AI automates. Yeah, yes. So what I mean by that is like AI can help you write content. It, it's it's helping realtors right now write Zillow descriptions. Software engineers time. write code. Software engineers, like that is great. But when it comes to your money, AI cannot legally tell your checking account to move. And you're like, well, Acorns does it. Sure, Acorns <laughs> is tiny. But um, automating your money is probably the best thing to do, which automating your money is... Um, basically as soon as you earn your money is invested as fast as possible. So obviously we do this with our 401ks, but, um, that is probably the smartest thing people can do today. No matter what you do or what you invest in is just shrink the amount of time between when you earn your money and when you invest it. And that is probably, again, the best thing you can do. Continue to like figure out AI in your career, because I think we all should be doing it to leverage it. Yeah. But Automate your money. Automate it, automate it, automate it. I automated my money this morning. That's right. Say, I just did it as well. Actually, I need to talk to you about that because, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that off air. All right. All right. <laughs> rising rates. Rising rates. Good for some, not for other. The Fed has spoken. We haven't talked about this on our podcast because the meeting note, the, the meeting minutes came out last, last Thursday. Week, last Thursday. Yep. So we recorded this uh, a week ago. Okay, what's going on there? Well, that doesn't necessarily talk about that. The good, good for some, bad for others. J.P. Morgan, Citi, Wells Fargo, Bank of America all reported earnings on Friday. Yep. 
record profits, record revenue. I think JP Morgan net interest income, which is the income that they make basically what they lend your money at and what they pay you. Yep. Right. That's the difference. And then that's income was up 78% while their deposits were still falling because the inflation was eating away and people are spending more, right? Interesting. happens, but their net interest income was up 78% on the back of rising rates, right? Great for some Silicon Valley bank, not so great for Silicon Valley bank. The rising rates on their 30-year mortgage-backed security portfolio- Bad move. Boom, blew up and that was not so great. JP Morgan made out like a bandit. They also reported that- uh, um. They had a ton of new money market inflows and yep. a ton of new account opening activity, which is just from the regional banks, right? At totally. the end of the day, that's where that's totally. coming from. Wells Fargo, Citigroup, Bank of America, same story. Mm-hmm. Each one of them. Schwab's, money market funds, 50, over, over 100% growth yeah. in a quarter. Yeah, which is insane. People are realizing that there's higher yields than their less than 1% saving account. Just yeah, a people can bit. just do what banks are already doing. Exactly. Yeah. They, yeah. they turn themselves into the banks. I commented over the lunch, over lunch about uh, some random guy on, on LinkedIn about the the regional banking and what's going to happen there for small businesses, for real estate, et cetera. And, and I told him, I was like, that is the number one thing on my mind when I think about risks in the system is the small and medium-sized banks and, and their customers. Yep. Because JP Morgan is not in the business of lending to you. Yes, correct. Yeah. JP Morgan wants to underwrite the well, they don't one billion dollar office building in New York City. Yeah. That's what they want to do. That's what that's what they want to do and that's what they do. Yeah. But the like that is what people should be watching. So if you're interested in about like what to be watching um from risk perspective, to me, that's it. Yeah, that's definitely it. And then half of the commercial, gosh, am I gonna get this right? Seventy percent of the commercial real estate market is written by small to regional yes, banks. But then the refi rates, like mm. there's going to be an enormous amount of properties that mm. are going to be refinanced. I think in this 2. year- 2.8 trillion. Yeah, it's a lot. And they're going to be significantly higher. And that is going to be, that is going to be something to, um, to, to watch out for. In my mind right now, just stay diversified. Definitely. That's, I mean, that's at the end of the day what it always is. I think there, there was predicted a 75 basis point, 0.75%. Yeah. Hit to GDP. Yes. In the commercial real estate market. Yes. If that does what people are kind of predicting it does. Which is massive. Yeah. You're like 75 or whatever. Oh, yeah. That's that's nothing. No, no, no. Do the math on that. That is a significant. That's almost half of what it normally is. Yeah. Yeah. And like what people don't understand with some of these numbers is like everything about our markets, our world. You guys heard this on the intro about, you know, just the, the layers. Everything is on the margin. Like, Everything is is on the margin. What do I mean by that? It's like our economy, like when you shrink the economy by a trillion dollars, that trillion dollars cannot be reinvested or spent. It's just gone. Yeah. That leaves a ginormous hole. Yeah. In everything. So like, just like we did the math. If you are 28 and you save $700 a month at 8% and you retire at 65, you'll have $2 million. But if you start you know, five years later, you're like, yeah, five years, whatever, that's 5% of my life or, you know, 7% of my life. No big difference. It's like, yeah, that's a huge difference. That's mm-hmm. a hundred, that's hundreds of thousands of dollars. So like this stuff matters. Like when GD, when global GDP is shaved by 25 basis points, 50 basis points, that is a boatload of money that cannot be spent or invested by anybody. Yeah. 
but diversification kind of uh, protects you from some of that at the very least. Yes. Then from an investor perspective, of course, once you're diversified, you know, we're just not making any big timing bets. Like we are very convicted here about the the value of diversification. Yeah. Yeah. Warren Buffett owns like the vast majority of his portfolios in like seven stocks. Coke, one of them. That was a big, I'm surprised we don't have Coke in front of us right now. But Warren Buffett's very concentrated. He's very convicted. But most people don't have $100 billion and it's just not worth it. Yeah. He's also in defensive stocks. Right? Super. He's not in the high growth market. He's in like diverse, I mean, just whatever, BNSF. Like yeah. he's got all of that. He's yeah. got oil. He's got stuff like that. Really staples to the economy. Not, yeah. not necessarily like, oh, he's got Zoom and he's, <laughs> he's, he's letting it ride on Warren Zoom. Warren Buffett and- ain't about that Zoom. Ricochet yeah. shot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, so I clearly was one article ahead of you, Jacob. Um, the Fed is unhinged. It is unhinged. What do you mean by that, Jacob? They did their minutes. and get So get this. They all predicted a recession. Yep. So the minutes basically just walks through everything, all, well, everything that they said in their meeting yep. in March. And it releases like a month later or something like that. And there was talk. And they all came to the consensus that a recession is imminent and it's going to happen. Basically, yep. they're like, we're predicting that it's going to happen by the end of the year, next mm-hmm. year. Something like that. They have a banking hole. The banks are having issues, right? Yep. The smaller regional banks are having issues. And they still raised by 25 basis points in that meeting. Yep. And they're still planning on raising another one in the May meeting. It just seems like there's this disconnect between what they're actually thinking in their <laughs> brains and writing down <laughs> and, and what, what they're, they're actually, actually doing. doing. I don't yeah. understand why you would say there's a recession and then raise rates into a recession. Yeah. Right. If you're thinking there's a recession, just pause it and wait. If there's no recession, no, no harm if you're raising rates again after the fact. Amen to that. Yeah. Amen because to that. Because they have conviction. They yeah. have conviction. <laughs> they think it needs to be higher. <laughs> Jay Powell with his with the conviction. Oh, boy, I think they're they more ever... concerned about their legacy than they are the actual outcome. Yeah. It's just weird. Because they've been wrong every step of the way. It's just weird. Yeah. And they just have to get this right. But are they actually getting it wrong while they think that they're getting it right? Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I don't know. It feels they're definitely doing something. The market and the Fed right now are definitely on different pages. The market is saying, whoa, 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 Cowboys, you went overboard. You guys are crazy. You guys are crazy. And the Fed's like, now nah, we're good. But then there's all of these articles. It's like SVB, Signature, gone, like all the crap in the crypto market, the enormous amount of issues in the startup scene. Um, it's like, what more? Like the question I have is like, is this not more obvious that, hey, maybe you guys did everything, but yeah. the labor market is hot. Yeah. Like that, that is, um, you know, I will. Although softening because yep. they have been revising unemployment claims every single week. Oh they've, they've revised the ones from a year ago and they're <laughs> crazy higher, like literally double. Oh, that's funny. Of okay. what they were. So it's crazy. So what Jacob just said, everyone, is like there's all of these statistics that come out. Month to month, month week to, to week, week, whatever. Week. There's all of the statistics. If you want to know more about it, just send Jacob an email. And I'll, I'll, sh- I'll go crazy. <laughs> and he'll go yeah. crazy about it. But yeah. they are constantly revising these numbers. So what Jacob just said is like they have been revising these numbers. And like, it's revising worse. And it's revising worse. So they're saying they're, they're, they're data dependent. The data is coming back worse, but they're still like going forward with it. It's a, little, it's a little cuckoo business. But 
if I've learned anything after doing this for 10 years and talking to lots and lots of people, just don't fight the Fed. Yeah, don't fight the yep. Fed. I'm going to say something here that oh. is going to sound incredibly humble of me. Okay. Um, but I think that there might be a chance that there's a reason that I'm not a regional Fed president. <laughs> I think there's a chance that I'm I think they I'm probably know something that we don't. That is true. That is that is true. Although when the market, because the market knows a lot too. The market knows more than the, the Fed. The market knows a lot. Yeah. And the stock market's a market, the bond market, whatever, the banks are a market. Like, um, They're collectively calling the Fed's bluff. All right. Let's yeah. watch. Let's watch. That's true, yeah. But like, again, we like kind of rail on the Fed a lot here. They deserve to be railed on But sometimes bit. they deserve to be they're still like, it's still just don't fight the Fed. Like even as much as what we're talking about, like here and just bantering about what they should and shouldn't do. You know what? You are hundred percent correct. They know way more than we do, but um, even if they're wrong and, and we know they're wrong, it still doesn't make sense to fight them. Yeah. Because people have lost a lot of money saying some weird things about what they believe to be true, which is a perfect segue into, into, the, to, dollar. into the dollar, which is something uh, I probably talk to people about the U.S. dollar every three weeks, and I have for years. Somebody always is like, "Yeah, the dollar is going to go to crap." You want to know the first the first story of this? I think there was something that, that I heard that the first article written about de-dollarization came in like 1971. Oh yeah, about 30 years after it was declared a global reserve currency. Yep, 30 years after. Yeah, so that was in the 70s. 50 years later, the dollar's still the dollar, guys. Dollar's still the dollar. Dollar's still so a dollar. I wrote about this, and you can actually read this on our website. Yep. I have a whole post on it. It's good. And there's basically this whole thing about this BRICS arrangement, which you don't know about that. You don't really need to. Basically, there's this whole thing between China and Brazil and Russia, all trying to take over the dollar as a reserve currency. None of these countries are strong enough to do that. Yep. There is no way the petro yuan, they're trying to replace it. They're like You have to transact in yuan now to buy mm-hmm. OPEC oil and stuff like that. But I think that's only for the Chinese the Russians, the Brazilians, and the Indians. I think that's only who that's for. Yeah. And there is no way. China is a surplus country to provide the world with assets, which is what a reserve currency does, right? At the end of the day, you have to stimulate demand for your own currency. Mm -hmm. You have to give something to other people for them to hold in order for you to have the reserve currency. There is no way that China can hold a $2 trillion deficit and not have issues. Correct. The United States can hold a $2 trillion deficit and has for years. Yeah. And it provides the world with trillions of dollars in assets. Yep. There is no way you're depegging this thing in a matter of months. Yeah. The, the, like what our, like how strong our system is. Something I've been learning about right now is like security is like global security and like the, the, like what America is actually exporting through uh, guaranteeing security in NATO, for example. Like what is that? But it's like, Ultimately, the our system is like, and, and America's leadership is so strong. And is it cracking? Like, of course, right? Like, yeah, everything cracks. Everything, everything cracks. Like, there's, um, like, uh, like, yeah. So, will America be America in fifty years? To where we're at, like, probably. Yeah, it's gonna look definitely. different, but it's I, like, so, like how strong uh, the dollar is. Um, like, it's still stable. It's, 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 it's market driven. It's who you're like, well, no, the fed can do things. Well, yes, but central banks around the world do that, do that as well. People cite this, that the dollar was at $114. That's what the index was. 116 is where it peaked and it's come down to almost a hundred as a bad thing. The dollar is losing value. It's losing value. It's losing value. You want to know what it was like two years ago? 
80. Yeah. And nobody yep. was preaching this. Yeah. Come on now. Get exactly. Out of here. Exactly. All right. So Fed President Goolsby, which we don't even know. Never we, heard of we him. Never heard of this guy. It's kind of funny. Chicago Pred. But he's the Chicago Fed Pres. This is what he said. He's like, but it feels like it's moving in the right direction. That's our quote of the week for you guys. Inflation. Inflation. What he's talking about. Which is good. Which is funny because it peaked at what, 9.6? 9.9? 9.9? 9.1. 9.1? Okay. Whatever. Nines. In the nines. And it's going down to five. And he, and he just, he, he was like, it feels like it's moving in the right direction. Which it so, is. <laughs> which it is. <laughs> but to have like the unanimous, uh, the Fed's on the same page on inflation, that it seems like it's peaked, that is a good thing. You know what? This brings it back. The Fed is unhinged. Inflation's moving in the right direction. It's going to continue to move in the Correct. right direction. Yep. But we still think that we should raise rates. But we, yeah, one more. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I don't, yeah, whatever. And you can talk about the labor market all you want, but I, I'm pretty confident. They say you got to get to 4% mm-hmm. in the in unemployment rate. Why? Why do we have to get to 4%? Correct. And yeah. if we are trying, the unemployment rate never steps up a tiny bit. It's not like a, all right, yeah. here we are. We're just going to, it's it's the elevator up, escalator down. Yep. Right. It's going to move slow down, fast up. Yep. And that's how it works. If you move, you're, you're not moving from a half, a three and a half percent to 4%. Correct. It's just not going to happen that way. It's going to yes. move fast. So to wrap this up, everyone, because we've taken through uh, 43 minutes of your day, stay convicted. Like we just had a passionate conversation about the markets. We don't expect you to know like everything we do or like have these conversations like we're having these conversations so you can learn because some of the stuff is like everything we talk about in here is like you should have a somewhat of an idea of what we're talking about because this is important because what you don't want to find is you don't want to get so scared when you have a million dollars and you sell out and you're sitting in cash and the market goes up 50% over the next three years. I know that because we've had, you know, we, we've worked with families in the past where that's happened, where they cannot convince themselves to get back in. So this stuff matters. Live in your convictions. Find your convictions about what you're building. Find them, you know, really make them deep. Because the deeper you are, the bigger the foundation, the bigger you can build. Be like Warren Buffett. So thank you everyone for listening. Uh, if you have any questions, shoot us an email at laminamoneypodcast at fieldcapital.com. Probably, I would say we have one of the worst email addresses of any podcast. And it's not changing either, so. I guess it's, it's, it's just, it's our thing now. So maybe, Actually, maybe in the future it will. Maybe it will. TBD. Send us an email if you think we should change it. Um, we really appreciate your time, your support, your questions, your encouragement for everyone out there. Uh, we randomly talk to people. They're like, yeah, we actually listen to your podcast. We're like, thank you. So thank you, thank you. We really appreciate it. Um, and like usual, everyone, we'll see you next week on Lime and Money Podcast. Let's go wild. <laughs>